I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening You're pinning words All like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? Wakanda. Wakanda. Okay, we're getting used to this Wakanda thing, people. Yeah, we are. We're getting it together. <laughs> but you know, the, you know the, new, the new black handshake, the international... Wakanda handshake from the what trailer, right? Oh, yeah, yes. that is badass. like, what? Yes. Everybody and their mom's going to be doing Love that. Love it. That's Love true. It. <laughs> it is now a national <laughs> holiday. I'm just letting you know. February 16th is my mother's birthday, right? and it is officially now the universal planetary black holiday. <laughs> wow. I'm taking that. I already told my bosses I'm taking that day off. You I go back to work next uh-huh. week, and I just told them February 16th, uh-huh. I'm not going to be around. Religious we, we holiday. Got a, it's a religious holiday. We got a holiday. lot of things going on. Well, let me fucking introduce the show. Then I can. <laughs> we don't start so, talking. Look, y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Mm. You hear her voice. Yes. Little misinterruption. Yes. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> we just start talking. Just spitting fire right away. Exactly. Uh, Lisa like Bolacaja. So, you just like to be so respectable and so formal. All right, I'll wait my turn. Can I speak now? No. All right. Because I ain't introduced my man yet. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uncle Paul. Pimp dog himself. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> the OG himself. Daddy Guyo. Daddy Guyo. <laughs> Paul Guyo, writer, oh. producer himself. What's up, Paul? How, you How doing, are buddy? you? I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. We missed you. It's been a minute. It's been I know. a minute. It's been a, it's Look, been a couple it's minutes. Been a long time. The closest the last time I saw him mm-hmm. was in New Orleans for his TV show. What had happened? What? Well, you already heard the story, y'all. No, so I was, down, I was on my girl's trip. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In New Orleans A real one too A right? real one Right Okay <laughs> uh, We were staying at the Oh shit Was it the Orleans Whatever the fuck The hotel we were staying at It's gorgeous right. they, used to have the, they used to have The quadroon balls there So I was just walking around I was reading and the history And where they keep you guys? Uh, we were at the Windsor Court Well oh. your girl uh, Shalita was staying there Oh the yeah She well, was there she's, yeah, And I told you the story When she walked she's in We me. were coming in We had <laughs> we, Listen We had got our Hand grenade drinks And so we said Well we don't need These jackets and stuff Let's go throw some stuff Upstairs And right. then we're gonna Go back outside So literally I'm walking With a group of Black women writers And so we walk up To the elevator and Shalita's in front of us. Now, mind you, we don't know it's Shalita from, <laughs> you know, tall. CSI yeah, New Orleans, right? Just... The only thing we saw was the back, the back of her jacket, mm-hmm. and it said, like, see, crime investigation? Right. CSI? So, my drunk ass, okay, not, I wasn't drunk, Y'all but I was, kinda, ass, I was a little right? tipsy. I was a little tipsy. So, mind you, I had the hand grenade thing in my hand. I'm like, oh, shit, did someone get murdered in this hotel? Are we going to have to move? And so she stopped, the doors open, and then she turned around. Of course, then you see like the makeup and stuff, and you're like, oh my God. And so one of the other ladies, they took pictures with her and stuff, and we asked her, was she staying there? And they're like, oh. And then when we walked outside, everybody's right there. Scott Bakula's standing there, and we're like, oh, Mm -hmm. they're filming. And this is my ass texting Paul, hey, y'all. 
New okay, York like, are you here? right outside my hotel. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you'd be there to, a week before Paul okay. got there, right? And then we walked over to the bar and everything, and um, I don't know what this is. Does it come out? No. Okay. Uh, See, I've, when I had the feeling, I was like, this might be a drunk text, but it's only like one in the afternoon. She can't be drunk. I know. I was, I, we were having fun. But, yeah. We had eaten a great lunch, right. and then we were like hanging out at this bar, because you know, everyone has seen the movie Girl Strip, and we mm-hmm. wanted to get the hand grenade drink that they had in the movie. Right. And I will say this, though. The group of women I was with, these sisters, they was worse than all the shenanigans that was inside the Girl Strip movie. And this wasn't even Essence okay, Festival. This, this, was just, too, huh? this was just a regular New Orleans <laughs> This weekend. was the director's cut. This <laughs> regular, you know. So it was a good time. I was like, yeah. oh, and I just texted. And he's like, go over to the... So, of course, you saw, like, the video things and all that. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go bother them. Right. And then, that, of course, when you watch a bunch of black women who are, like, having a good time, they're like, girl, just walk over there. If you fall down, we'll come pick you up. I'm like, all right, I'm on the way, y'all. And they, like, stood there and watched me tear my way down and then of course um you know they were busy they were in the middle of rehearsal so i said oh i'm not gonna bother them so it was cool though but of course we were all sitting there you know with our drinks watching of course everybody in new orleans they're all watching and everything Mm -hmm. and you know that's in the you know it's just normal that's i noticed that i'm gonna interrupt you i was watching this is my this is my husband's like favorite show anything ncis he's on it so and and which matter of fact i discovered that one of the characters is Okay, that I didn't even know about on one of the other shows. Anyway, long story. On our show, so, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I did. That, too. Okay. I discovered yeah. that, like, yeah. Thursday or something. Anyway, because of a tweet he yep. put out. Yep. Oh. Anyway, so, uh, 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 what was I going with that? God damn it. Oh, so, it's funny. I noticed on that show more than everybody, <clears throat> and you know because you've been there, they block off the street, but they don't block off the street. They still right. allow people, probably because of the rules of New Orleans, New Orleans, <laughs> I can never say that shit. Yeah. <laughs> they they still let people because you can see people still looking at the camera oh, yeah. and shit. And I was, shit, we might I be. Um, that episode comes out, we might be in the shot. <laughs> we, you might see us standing because we were standing in the corner on the uh, side and it's coming by, and we were like Scott Bakula, he can still get it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're sitting there like, hey Scott. No, that's really observant because that's true. Mm-hmm. We like there's such a love affair going on with our production in that city, and mm-hmm. there's. So amazing. I mean, not just like the film commission and all the typical stuff, like mm-hmm. how easy they are to work with, but just the people in New Orleans. I mean, you know, there's maybe some of the most genuine people in this like country. Oh, God, like, yes. I mean, just, and they're just out there, and you say, you know, all right, we're filming, be quiet. And they'll be like, okay. And, the, you know, really? and then it's like, okay, they you don't be quiet anymore. Yeah. And they're like, whoa! Right, right, right. <laughs> right? But they're, they're great. And so, yeah, we, we actually do that. We just sort of ask them, like, hey, we're doing this now. And... They're awesome. They're yeah. just and part of that cool. I like that flavor of yeah. You might get sometimes people looking. You see, you see some of the background right. looking in the camera lens. And right, right. right. It's just it's New Orleans, right? Because right. I think we we were having lunch and you guys must have had just been on the break because all of a sudden we saw a rush of people and we we assumed they was just all the extras because they were all going the same direction like they must be getting ready to go eat because they was like moving in mass and they wasn't looking at anything and I'm just sitting They're here like, eating. Food. okay I'm sitting there with my shrimp going oh there goes the extras everybody's right. going to go eat right now but it was really cool because it was just like like he said. It was like, quiet. They start doing a thing, and everybody's sitting there. And, of course, mm-hmm. everybody's got their drinks. They're, like, taking pictures and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's exciting. And then when it's over, it's like, oh, yay. So it's really cool. So I'm glad you guys are down there because it's one of my favorite cities. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a quick sec. Yeah. So let's just set it up. So, Paul, yeah. you're one of the co-EPs on NCIS New yeah. Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, my first season on it. This is season four of the show, my first mm-hmm. year, yeah, co-EP. But let, let me just ask you this. Coming in from that level, what is it like coming in on a show? Like how much research do you have to do? What do you have to learn to get prepared to be on a show that's already in existence? It's, you know what, I mean, I, I'm sure it varies show to show, but but this one, 
and and again, this is just me. Like I, you know, to prepare just for the job interview, oh, right, I was like right, watching right. all the episodes right. and stuff, and then got the job and. I just did a deep dive into New Orleans, even more New Orleans than even like NCIS or Navy or mm-hmm. crime or anything. <clears throat> and that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And so you come in to the room at the beginning of the season, you know, and everybody's pitching out their ideas for episodes. Yeah. So you want to have that, you know, that in your back pocket and mm-hmm. the research. And what's cool about this show, I think sets it apart a little bit from the LA franchise and the mothership um, <clears throat> is we really, you know, the old cliche, Oh, the city's a character in the story. Right. But we really try to embrace New Orleans every episode, and not just like the tourist New Orleans, right. you know, not just oh Commander's Palace, and right, you know, but right. really get into the verisimilitude mm-hmm. of the city and the people. And that's one thing our showrunners Chris Silver and Brad Kern are hammering into us all the time with story: is what's the New Orleans of it all? Right. How is this story unique only to that city? Right. And that's been really cool. That's been right. fun. And you can feel it because t- sometimes you guys go into the swamp, and you guys do yeah. a lot of like real shit. You know what I mean? And they're always talking about food. There's like oh, a yeah. lot of things going on in there. So that's why I just mm-hmm. love and, and of course, you know, Scott playing in his band. So there's just a lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and this year, that's funny you mentioned that because Scott's Bacula's really amazing to work with, and he's a producer on the show. Right. And we have um, a new music person in charge this year, and the music is great. And they're a local New Orleans guy. Nice. And Scott's super involved because he's, I didn't know until I got on the show, he's like an amazing musician. Right. Yeah. And you can tell they actually are singing live. Oh, yeah. Which I told, I told my husband, I was like, oh, that's not a loop. That's nope. them. That is that's them. them singing. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Wow, and cool. uh, and he's, he's great. And so the music has just gone up another level this season, which is really fun. And right. we try to have, we, let's see, we're, we're shooting episode seven right now. And of the six we've done, there's only been two, I think, that haven't had, you know, some music thing yeah, in them. Yeah. You know, either like a band or a singer or or. You know, Scott himself y'all playing. Be, y'all been watching Treme. Look at y'all. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, speaking of that's another thing, because I, you know, my whole thing, I can't write without music. I always have yeah, to make my playlist do. for everything. And man, did I dig deep on the Treme soundtracks right, when I got right, this gig yeah, and started right. listening. That's some good music. I've, I've been exposed to a whole new thing of music. I didn't did know. you ever get a chance to go to the Backstreet Culture Museum? That's my people's. <laughs> I have not. I didn't. It's but a small I will. museum, and it's I like, it's, it's great, all the yeah. black Indian culture. And you know who's telling me? Shalita was talking about that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, Uncle Sylvester. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, go down there and... Um, you know, just it's just family down there in Chimay and, you know, the different areas. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite food shops is in, in Chimay. I won't tell you the name because I don't want none of your people going in there and blocking all my stuff <laughs> and messing up my food when I go to dinner. Let me Dad, have a, I just get really quick on that. So I found this. So our um, this young guy's our script coordinator this year, and he's awesome, and he, and he went to University of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So he knew, and I went down there, and everybody's telling yeah. me, here's all the places you got to eat, and he pulls me aside, and he tells me about this one place that he's like, go to this place. You like gumbo? I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, and I go, and it's this little tiny hole in the wall and it was amazing and my first instinct was like oh I gotta tell everybody about Don't it and then I was like you shut I'm your not lips. telling anyone <laughs> shut not, you shut I your lips I haven't said a word I, right. I haven't no. mentioned it to you anyone shut your li- you know it's, I didn't tell you name my spot it's like right. you shut That's right. your lips off, off, off mic we'll talk about because uh, when you get over there and they start talking and they take the old t- and then what happens the tourists can they take over and then right. of course people start changing stuff and it's yeah. just like and this place like if there's 15 people in it it's packed you know mm. to the guild there's no room it's yeah, just right. a little tiny one guy in the back cooking all the food really? I'll tell you about it when we're off the <laughs> <laughs> it's the best foods yes so let me ask you um, just a couple questions just because we have you on the show so um, let's talk let's, let's set this up for people who don't really quite understand 
So when you go to produce your episode, let's talk about the things you have to prepare yourself for. Yeah. And what's it like, you know, producing your episode for those who've never done it? Yeah, it's um, there's a lot involved in just you know you write the script obviously, and then once the episode's going to be produced, there there becomes a whole other list of stuff that has nothing to do with the writing that you have right. to do. You know, from the very first meeting is you know the concept meeting where you're is on that with the tone the, meeting sort of. No, thing, this is, is like actually. This this show does a concept and a tone, which is which I haven't experienced before, but it's mm. kind of cool. And you get on; it's the first meeting we have. The producing director, person who's down in New Orleans all the time, sort of overseeing the directing side right. of the show, is on with uh, the production designer, the DP, myself, or whoever wrote the writer who wrote the episode and the showrunner. Mm-hmm. And we're just talking conceptually about it. We're not even going through page by page, and it's really helpful right. to just say this is what this episode's about. And this is where we need the characters start and end in this episode. And then you go and you have your production meeting, which is page by page. And they're talking about locations. And and oftentimes, you know, part of producing it before you even get down to New Orleans, you're getting photographs from the location department. Like, okay, you wrote this as, you know, an alley downtown, but we found this house out on Pontchartrain. And so, you know, and then you see these location you're like oh that's better yeah you know mm-hmm. and so then you got to write to that so you have the production meeting and it goes through all the departments what wardrobe the characters are going to be wearing all what kind of cars they're driving what day or night and all that stuff and then there's like what you were saying the tone meeting where you go page by page you know this mm-hmm. and it's it's usually the writer and the director's kind of one-on-one of like this is the tone of every scene mm-hmm. and you know every scene has its own little beginning middle and end mm-hmm. and each one has a tone, and it's a, it's a great thing to have because the director comes in with his or her you know own vision and interpretation of it, right. and that's where you sometimes can have not difference of opinions, but like the director's like, oh, I saw it this way, and you're like, well, we were thinking of it this way, mm-hmm. and sometimes you know you, the writers usually because they kind of drive television, you kind of want to keep that tone. The writer sort of knows, but oftentimes, like I. Had a, I got so lucky on my first episode. James Whitmore Jr. was my director. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sixty-nine-year-old, just fire hydrant of a bulldog <laughs> guy, and he, you know, he had a great acting career. His dad was amazing, and now he's this director, and he's just awesome. And so he comes in with all this energy and all the these ideas, but it's a total collaborative process because I'd be like and there was this one scene he's like I'm going to do this this and I'm like well that's really cool but the tone we need to get to for the stuff later and because of what happened in previous episodes it kind of has to be and he's like oh okay all right well there and that's so that's a tone meeting and then you have you know you have your casting phone calls and emails where you're all the characters reading the parts and like I said, like wardrobe. So are, you, are you are you still? Let me just ask you this: <clears throat> Are you still in LA? Like getting yeah, getting this the is tapes all before like okay. you go down, and then when it's time to shoot. Like I went down two days before I started shooting, and I went on what's wow, called the that's tech not scout. A lot of time. Yeah, yeah, wow, no, right. And I went on the tech scout where they go to literally everybody's in a van, you know, mm-hmm. and you drive to every location in your script. Mm-hmm. And the director looks at it, and the DP's there, and the key grip. And it's like a logistics thing. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And you just 
figure yeah. and if your director's good they're prepared and they're like I'm going to shoot it like this and this mm-hmm. and do this you know sometimes you get a director that's like oh <laughs> <laughs> what is this that? is really pretty what can we do here right. like well we're starting Looking on the clock like <laughs> yeah 30 hours okay. you're going to be saying right. action right right um so so we so we did that and and then you have the like I said the production meeting where all the department heads are in and you just go page by page how many background right. in this how many police cars do you want in this what kind of guns the bad guy going to have like mm-hmm. everything and then when you're shooting um the writer's really there to just make sure that the 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 tone i think is and the story gets told properly mm-hmm. you know and so what i do like and, and every writer's different when i'm on set i all and then i do this before before we start shooting i i go to the director and i go how do you what are you comfortable working on set do you want me to say my stuff to you and you talk to the actors and me stay out of the actor's mm-hmm. way? Do you want the actors to come to me? You know, because if you don't have that locked down in the beginning, right. it can be, it can cause problems, Ooh, you know? If, if you've got a director that doesn't want a writer talking to actors and the writer bops in, right. and so I always like to make that really clear, and, I'm, and I just, I defer to the director. However the director wants to work, because the director relationship with the actor is the most important thing when you're in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so we worked that out, and then I'm just there, like, if the actors have a question about text or if they want to change something, um, I just... So are you pretty much sitting at Video Village, or are I'm you, at Video are you Village at the all the time. The director? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. next to or right behind the director in right. Video Village all the time. And then for rehearsals, usually that's when I do the most work, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. is the actors come in, the director says, I'm going to shoot it like this. You know, the actor's like, oh, I feel like I should be standing over here, though. Right. And that, and you work all that out, and then can lines I, can, change. I'm sorry to keep interrupting. Yeah. I'm just trying to put myself in your headspace. So <clears throat> this is this is where a lot of writers mess up, though. Yes. So you're in rehearsal. The actors are kind of half doing it, so they're, they're just blocking. And a lot of writers step in and are like, oh, they're not doing this line right, or they're not, the energy's not right, they're not emotional, whatever it is. And they're like, we're just rehearsing. So you have to be careful when you speak. That is a great right? point, and that's something all, all younger, newer writers should really pay attention to. That's a great point, because I've seen it happen, and it's right. bad, and right away it creates this weird <laughs> right. relationship with the actors. It's like, hmm. And when, hmm. when it's rehearsal, I try to disappear like i'll find the deepest corner that i can mm-hmm. still hear everything and just try to like you know go right. go invisible right. <laughs> and and if they have a question that's only then will i come out but yeah and especially like we have one of the greatest actors of all time right. cch pounder oh on our show and her process is so fascinating because she walks onto the set for rehearsal and you would think she's never acted in her life just because <laughs> but her headspace she's so deep into it and she's like searching and and she'll stumble over her lines and mm-hmm. she'll it'll seem like she's never read the script and she'll but she's just doing all this internal stuff mm-hmm. and you just gotta let her do it because right. that's I her heard thing. Linda Hunt the same way oh yeah like she messes up a lot but if she only all she needs is one if yeah. you get one good one that's the one you yeah. need well what's cool yeah. is like with CC by so she'll be appearing to be sort of disjointed and stuff in rehearsal and, and kind of almost confused and she'll she'll kind of cog and she'll be like oh I gotta say well this is you know she'll mumble about the dialogue and stuff and, go, <laughs> and then it comes time to shoot and she walks on and it'll be that there'll be a couple of takes where you, it's sort of like a car taking off first right. gear second mm-hmm. gear and then she just goes to this other place mm-hmm. and, and she had I got really lucky the episode I wrote because she's, 
I don't want to say wasted on the show, but I mean, yeah. a lot of her stuff on the show, she's the coroner and it's looking over dead bodies right. and doing expository forensic mm-hmm. dialogue. And I got to get her out of the morgue in this episode. And it nice. was really emotional because her adopted son is kidnapped and all this. Yeah, yeah. And she had a couple of scenes with Scott and they just took it to another level. Like I, I wrote it, but then they made it so much better than mm-hmm. I ever could have, you know? And, Which is and, what actors are supposed to do. Yeah, exactly, right, exactly. Right. And it's not like, they didn't change a lot of the dialogue, but just the way they say it, they put a word here instead of there. And it was like, we had chills watching it. Right. And that's when you're, like, I turn to the director, I go, this is why I do this. Like, can, can I ask you something? Moment. You were talking about, during rehearsals, you walk off, right? <clears throat> I was talking on a previous episode about, um, a few years ago, I was working with my friend Pamela on this uh, Cedric the Entertainer show, Right. And I would, we would go from the writer's room down to the set, and it was for camera. And I would stand next to the co-EP, and I noticed every time we blocked it, he'd be watching. But as soon as we started shooting, he'd close his eyes, and everybody would have their scripts. He'd close his eyes and sit like this and listen. And I was like, finally I pulled him, I was like, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm listening for tone. I'm listening for pace. I already saw the blocking. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. listening for rhythm. And I was like, oh, and he would be the one who always had the perfect thing to say. Yeah. And so now whenever I'm on set producing, I'm always doing that. I'll watch it, and then I'll sit like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening. So it sounds like you're off kind yeah, of doing well, the same yeah. thing in your own In way, rehearsal, right? I try to just let the director and actors have that space. And, and then when we go, I'll do it like I, you know, I'm camped at Video Village, but a lot of times I won't watch the screen. I won't watch the monitor. Um, are you watching the actors or are you just looking? No, I'm looking down and I'm doing what you're saying. Okay, like right. I'm, I'm just sitting there and I've got the, you know, the comms on mm-hmm. and I'm just listening and I'll, I'll usually do that. You know, after I've seen one or two takes, then I just go and listen for mm-hmm. that exact thing because right. it's, it's different when you right. take away that sensory, the, vi- the mm-hmm. visual thing, you, you hear it on a different level. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's interesting. Go ahead. <clears throat> now, can we get into <laughs> what are we get into the movie? Yes, go ahead, do your thing. What kind? Because I missed it. I just saw the trailer. Oh, Geostorm. Uh, <laughs> Geostorm. Don't, don't be. <laughs> can we talk? Let's tell everybody that he wrote it, and then let's talk about how it came to you. Can we get into that? Yeah. Okay. Go so ahead. the new Run movie it. that's out. Okay, let me just let me preface this by saying this. There are certain genre kinks that I love, okay? There are certain genres that, I, that doesn't even matter if they're good, bad. It uh, doesn't matter. I'm going to go see them in here. Right. Horror movies. Really good monster movies. Right. Like, I will defend Pacific Rim to the end. I will fight <laughs> and anybody. Godzilla. And God, I will fight anybody who opens their mouth and says anything about it. Like, they showed, they showed the screen. They premiered at, like, the big... No, I got to see it on the big screen, the trailer for the new Pacific Rim movie that's coming out. And I sat in there looking around saying, waiting for somebody to say something negative about it. Like, I'm just waiting for somebody to open their mouth and say something. Okay? Like, I, I dare you, right. you know? And disaster movies. Ever since I was a little kid, like, I used to love, like, we used to go to the drive-in and see, like, I don't know, this is back in the olden days, children, <laughs> when we have movies like the, the, the airplane disaster movies, right. like, Airplane 75, right. you know? And I'd be, like, a year old in the back, like, oh, my God, airplanes! <laughs> you know, or, you know, Poseidon Avenger, anything right. is disaster. Or, and, but my favorite are planetary destruction movies. Right. If they are on TV... It doesn't matter. It's they, like the Godfather. They usually start with London first. Right? Yes. It doesn't even matter. They could be on TV rewrite. It doesn't even matter if it's the beginning or the end. I am compelled. If Twister is on, right. I'm watching it. If 2012 comes on, 
I'm still there. Right. Like, you know, and if San Andreas, if they show that, like mm-hmm. any disaster movie. They're doing a part two. I'm, well, I'm sure they will because right. it's The Rock and right. it was entertaining. It was, it was a hit. Yeah. And, but I'm going to see it. So before I even knew Paul had, was, had co-wrote this thing, mm-hmm. we, we was going to go see Geostorm. Didn't matter. We were going to go see it. Right. You know, and the fact that it had Geo, like, you know, that's the stuff I teach <laughs> at the outdoor science school. You no know, worries. it's like, oh my God, it's the earth. Like, I said, they really going to fuck shit up. Like, we need to go see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's something cathartic or how fucked up the world is, but there's something right. about every now and then I just want to see humans get fucked up because <laughs> sometimes I think we deserve it and let the animals have the world and, and be happy right so I see the first couple things I'm like alright Geostorm's coming out but I don't know did you tell us I remember you said you had a project that was coming out you were very cryptic I but was. you didn't say what it was I may not have. I, I don't know. No, you I told us know. about this a while ago, but no, I think, but you, didn't I think say. you just talked about it. In he kinda, said, I have this project right. I'm doing. But I think at the time, no, I, knew, I didn't I knew, even know if I it was going to see the light of day. Oh, yeah. It, it was right. a journey. Yeah. Because you right. mentioned he says something with Dean and I can't relate. And I was like, okay, you got a movie coming out. And it's like, okay. But you didn't say anything. Right. How did yeah. this come to you? How did this come to you? Um, I was on, so I co wrote it with Dean Devlin, who mm-hmm. produced and directed it. And. Um, I was on a sh- I did a show called Leverage right. that Dean was the studio on, and my last day on Leverage in 2012, he called me up into his office and and I was I was actually sitting with the showrunner John Rogers and the assistant came in and said Dean would like you to go up to his office. I'm like, like, oh, Uh-oh. yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> yep, the big you boss. in trouble yeah, now. Yeah. Like, hey, 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 going to principal. <laughs> Going to Princeton's office. Yeah. And, and it's like on you, the last day of school, too. You in right. trouble. <laughs> so I go up there, and, and he goes, hey, I want to I pitch you this idea I have for a movie, and, and tell me what you think. I go, okay. And he pitched me an opening scene, and he pitched me a concept of satellites controlling the weather mm-hmm. and somebody weaponizing them. And, and that was it. And I go... That's a great idea, Dean, because right. he was my boss, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. You should, you should write that. Flying cat. Okay. Perfect. Right. <laughs> what it was. Because at the time, I'm sitting there in my head going, that's, that's a concept in a scene. That's not an idea for a movie. But okay, right. okay. Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> not even the premise. Okay. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, great. I want you to write it with me. And I, I okay. okay. Back, up, back up. Why do you think he chose you? Um, what, what do you think you did that showed that you could do that? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, my, my self-deprecating answer is because <laughs> he had already asked 10 other guys. <laughs> Everybody else said, no, nah, I'm good. Because <laughs> it's really funny when you say that. I, when I went back down and I told John Rogers like that, he goes, is it the weather thing? <laughs> 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 yep. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what movie has that scene where this person is like trying to get them into this thing and they're trying to sell them on? There's a movie that, and that's the running joke. <laughs> oh, okay, that they're yeah. trying to do this thing. Somebody and trying, already said it. Like, it's kind of like heist movie, and they're trying to talk everybody. Oh, is that the so and so thing he's trying yeah. to get you into? And yeah. So, uh, so I know I was at least second. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I think I had done, I, I feel like I had. Done some good work on that show, and and <clears throat> and you know, I think maybe I, I honestly don't know why he, right. he did, but okay, I'm just curious. But that led to then me writing outlines, like trying to actually create a story for an entire movie out of mm-hmm. this, and I did fourteen outlines 
And finally on... Hold you know, on, hold on. Repeat that. How many? I did 14 <laughs> did <you hear> that? <laughs> outlines. I did. So I went back. So he said, well, go off and, we'll, and think about it and then maybe write up some pages. And so I went off and I did that and I wrote just some kind of sketching pages, right. not even a forming, a mood, just trying to find what, what, how could you put characters into this right. idea and the story. And, and he talked about, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, maybe some brothers and like, yeah. So it, it just was sort of finding that finding the movie and then once we had kind of uh sort of like okay there's brothers it'll be centered on that and maybe half the movies in space and half the movies a political thriller oh i haven't seen that before that's cool let's can we mm. combine that and you just kind of start you know molding the clay so to speak and then so yeah so then i went off and did started doing outlines and like i'm i know the first three or four at least dean was like no no this is horrible no <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm not ashamed to admit it it's like I and it. and you just keep chipping away you know and then it started be like oh okay yeah something like this but no i hate all this third act stuff or change this and right. so yeah i remember on the 14th outline he was like we've got a movie mm. uh, he goes let's go write it and um i was in st louis at the time uh, where my kids are, and he flew me out. This is bizarre. He flew me out to Los Angeles, and we shacked up at the Pally House, mm-hmm. Pally House yeah. Hotel yeah. in WeHo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in this two-room suite. <laughs> Dean paid for. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> and we would wake up 8 o'clock in the morning, have breakfast, and start writing the movie. Wow. And it was we had the outline, and I would just – I was in – my side and he was over on his side and I'd write a scene and email it to him (laughs) and then he'd like rewrite it and send it back and we went through and we did that for 10 or 12 hours a day for two weeks straight Mm. and like on day 12 I think we had 85 pages maybe written and we were just wiped I'm sure and we're like we'd lost all perspective we're like are we wasting our time? Is this mm-hmm. is this just a big steaming pile of garbage? And mm-hmm. so we're like, well, let's go to bed. Um, next morning we'll print it out and we'll just read it. Right. And the next morning we printed out the eighty some pages we had. And he went over to his side and I went <laughs> over to my side <laughs> and we read it. And we came. We met back in the middle. And and I remember he walked up and he goes, I think this is a movie. Do you think this is a movie? And I go, I think this is a movie. Mm. And he's like, all right, we're, we're doing, yeah, we're doing it. He mm. goes, Gio, you gave me my mojo. I got my mojo back. I haven't had my mojo back since the 90s. And I'm like, all right, Aww, Dean. Look at you. <laughs> so then we just, like, in the next two days, hammered out the final, like, 20-some pages mm. and literally wrote the entire movie in, in less than three weeks. Right. And we stepped away from it. I went back home. We got together again about four weeks later. Um, this is now like getting close to Thanksgiving time. We read it. We both had notes and thoughts. So what, and what year are we in? 2012. Okay. Fall of 2012 yeah. now. He, I, I went into his office in June, and now it's like almost like, Thanksgiving. Dolly, leverage, right? Okay. <laughs> it's almost Thanksgiving, and we've, we've got this script. And so he's like, all right, well, um, we'll go off. Everybody, you know, the town shuts down for the holidays. We'll come back beginning of the year, and we'll just send it out to all the studios and see if we can create a bidding war. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'd never experienced this before. Mm-hmm. And I knew this was bizarre that it was written so fast and everything. And there were still things I was, you know, Dean has a lot of enthusiasm when he gets locked on, in on something. And there were, you know, from a, strictly <laughs> from a writing standpoint, I was like, I think a couple more drafts would right. probably help this. And he's like, no, this is it. It's great. Right. And so 
he contact. I can tell the story now because it's it's fine. I couldn't tell it before. He contacted me in early December, and he had a relationship with David Ellison at Skydance, mm-hmm. and he had slipped David the script and said, "We're going to go out to Sony and Universal and everybody, you know, first of the year." And Skydance read it and said, "No, we want it, mm. and so we're going to buy it, mm. and but don't tell anyone." So we had to wait, and then in January of 2013, Skydance made this preemptive bid and and paid a lot of money for it. Good. And whoa, whoa, so, whoa, where my 10%? What are you talking about? <laughs> we were, we were, See, we I'm mad. I'm right? mad because then, well, well, no, I take that back because we did. I don't think we knew you then. I was going to no, say because we did. No, we didn't. I was going to say, because I was about to be mad, like, what happened to my part? I could have been standing, I could have been next to Daniel, I could have been Daniel Wu's assistant Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. handing him the paper, and then I could have blown away somewhere and fallen in a pit of stick. But I forgive you. It's okay. It's all right. But here's the crazy thing. This is, this is what's, this part of the story, I'll tell it really fast, is how, unfortunately, sometimes movies get made in Hollywood. So Skydance had their deal with Paramount. And so we went into development with Paramount, and they were giving notes and back and forth. And um, Dean wasn't particularly open to notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of had his singular vision of this as mm-hmm. the producer, director, and co-writer. Right. And so Paramount said, we'd like you to do these notes, and <laughs> he didn't want to do them. So at one point, we were then fired as the writers, and they brought in a writing team who rewrote the script and did a great job. Mm-hmm. But Dean, in this unique situation of also being the producer and director, mm-hmm. he got the draft and he's like, yeah, this is great. Well, I'm going to go do mine. <laughs> and <laughs> put, it, put, it, put it back to his way. So Paramount was like, well, we're not going to make that movie. And they put it into Turnaround. Ooh. And so that was it. So this is like... Hence all the years gone by. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is like 2013 now at some point. And, and I'm like, well, that was, you know, I got paid and that was an experience. And then he calls me up one day, and I haven't talked to him for a while. And he's like, "Hey, um, I think they're—I think our movie's going to get made." And I said, <laughs> "What happened?" And he's like, "Well, um, I was at my kid's school for some school function, and um, I won't name his name, but a, a very high-ranking person at Warner Brothers was also there for their child's school function, mm-hmm. and they struck up a conversation. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, well, I've got the script, and Paramount, you know, put it in turnaround, but Skydance has it." And the guy from Warner Bros. was like, is there a part for Gerard Butler in that? <laughs> and Dean goes, yes, there is. And he's like, well, we need to put him in a movie by the end of the year. We owe him right. a bunch of money. Because <laughs> they contract. had a huge deal with him right. after 300. Right. And it hadn't really lived up. Right. And so. <laughs> but I still love you. Right. We all love him. My Scottish robe. He's is fantastic. Right. <laughs> but that's literally why we suddenly had a greenlit movie. Because they needed to put Butler in a film. Right. There was a script. Boom. He was available. Movie was greenlit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so 2014 started shooting this thing. And then it came out Friday, wow. October 20th. Still, two and a half, crazy. three years later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And there was a whole crazy process. Uh, I won't get into with right. with writing the with arbitration and no, with I was going to say how was that arbitration? Yeah, <laughs> and my my relationship with right. Dean's not what it once was. Right. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Right. And uh, um, but it uh, yeah, but it's a movie and uh, Cult Jam saw it. How'd you guys do this weekend? <laughs> uh, It'll be a, unfortunately it'll be a few weeks before this comes out. But well, uh, yeah, it's um, so it looks like the opening weekend. They they opened it worldwide on the same day, which is sometimes unusual. Right. Um, it looks like it's going to do about 
13 domestically this opening weekend. We got killed by Medea. Right. Um, which, is, which is, and I took my mom to go see that the day two. before. <laughs> boo too. Listen, I didn't want to go see it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to see Boo 1. I haven't seen it. I didn't want to go do it. Mm-hmm. And I took moms, and, it, and literally, it's the same movie, the first one. And I told my no, mother that. No, it's not, because it's got a two after it. <laughs> See, that's the difference. See, the first one's just boo. Right. This is boo with a two after it. So it's different. Totally they, different. It's different. Totally different. So Geostorm was a real cleanse for but, me. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. this thing, if I never write another thing in Hollywood the rest of my life, I can say, on this weekend, I... Co-wrote the number one movie in Indonesia. <laughs> Listen, we were that, number one that, in Indonesia. <laughs> that's a number one. It counts. It, listen, that's like with um. Because remember we were talking oh, about. No, we gonna do the black okay, twenty two. Listen, 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 that's like with Blade Runner. Right. Like when the things came out, like it didn't do the numbers domestically like they wanted, but globally and all the advertising, right. we're the number one globally movie. Oh, yeah. I said, of course you are, and that, that's the new thing. They're opening it up wide. Right, mm-hmm. right but, now, we're we're making we're gonna do more internationally than we will mm-hmm. domestically, right. and and we're not. Although it's not the numbers that you would want for a giant disaster thing, it's actually we exceeded Warner Brothers' expectations. So that's always good. Yeah. They're they're gonna make that money back. I just gotta tell you a quick, a quick little side story. You already know the story. So the first movie that I ever saw was this small movie called Blackout, right? <clears throat> I thought I was being cool because I knew the producer, and so I asked him for a co-producer credit, which he agreed to give me, and half a point. I was like, oh shit, oh. I'm doing some good shit. So they go to AFI, they sell the movie to six countries in two hours. I was like, shit, I'm supposed to get some money. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're like, you're picking out your Bentley. Like, where's my new house at? <laughs> so so uh, uh, so the movie comes out, they so they sell it. So I call him up and I was like, hey, so uh, we fist to make some money. He said, No, I'm fist to make some money. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, Did you look at your contract? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. He said, That's domestic. We sold them international. Uh, I went. Uh, <laughs> but it taught me a big lesson. Not only about look at your fucking Had contract. All your rights. But, well, duh. <laughs> uh, it taught me why. I did it to get a produced credit. Yeah. Right? So that was why I did it. So yeah. I had to go, okay. It did that. It put me on a bunch of panels. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm good. You, you know, got I'd the credit. The, yeah. I had to make the money I wanted to make. But it was, it was something. Right. So, yeah. So you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Can you speak on it? Can you speak on it? Or will we have to like go off air and have our own personal conversation? I have, I have, I have, I have had almost 48 hours to process it. Right. I hadn't, so here's the thing, like you said, we shot it in 2014. The last cut I saw of the film was like a year and a half, two years ago, 2015, two years, oh, wow. over two years ago okay. was the last time I saw it, summer of 2015. So I had no idea what to expect. And I knew there had been the whole thing with there had been a lot of reshoots and rewrites and a new director brought in and mm-hmm. new things happened to try to make it better. Um, so I went into it, you know, excited. First feature credit, big movie, you know, opening night. And it was really hard to be really honest here. I mean, you know, we're all, all of us who write are, screwed up in a certain right. way you know we've got a lot of demons that's yeah. why we write right mm-hmm. self-loathing yes and i and i i sat there and and i was cringing at right. a lot of it and it was just i wasn't looking at it objectively of like 
oh, this big fun disaster epic, I was looking at like, here's where's my opus that right. I where's this baby that right. I birthed, yes. right? Yes. And and I and because of like I said the arbitration stuff, it had been a long like really ugly journey through it eventually, mm-hmm. and not a happy experience. And so I walked out of that theater, and, and you know we were all. We were all planning on going to see it last right. night, right? And this right. was Friday night. And <laughs> yeah. I, the whole Wu Tang We were all going to go. I was all excited about that. I was like, going to have my peeps around me. I'm going to be, you know, nurtured. And, sh- and I walked out of the Arclight, the Sherman Oaks Galleria, and it was like 10 30 at night. And I pulled my phone out and I immediately. <laughs> You know I emailed what all was his header. <laughs> I said, and forgive me now because I, I look. I mean, this was my initial reaction. Mind I, it, this I is, walk, this is him walking out the theater. But I said, Geostorm. It should have been called Shitstorm. Damn. And it, but but <laughs> I, I, I retract that now. Okay, um, but. I was just, you were just emotional. I right? was very emotional. I was walking Ventura Boulevard and I was I was running out like, please don't go see this movie. I'll kill you and I'll refund your money. I was like, I'm so humiliated and horrified. That's it, because I had checked my email and I'm like, oh, I said, like, I gotta figure out what time. Because I hadn't heard for anything from anybody. I said, let me go on the phone and check. I didn't see anything. I said, let me go check the email. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, but I think we should have gone anyway. I know. I would have liked to have And I, you we know what? And now gone. looking back, that was a mistake I made. I should have. Yes, we should have. I should have just processed it, right. and and I did because I would have. It would have been a blast. We, to we have probably done. would have supported it. Would have whatever been fun because you guys all you understand. You know, you right. do the same thing. Because I was so planning. You would, I was planning to go see it anyway, and it was right. funny because I got with my crew, and I'm like, look, they were like, hey, we're gonna go see it, yay, hey, because we love disaster movies, right. and we like to see people get fucked up <laughs> in original ways. Because no, because what we do is because literally this is the type of stuff we love because it's like. We like to discuss it out there, like, what would you do if you was in that situation? Mm-hmm. Like, would you try to cause him? Would you be leave? Like, that's the kind of stuff that Would you that try to like. save the dog yeah. or would you run? <laughs> Listen, thank you for that. Well, thank you yeah. for the dog. Because mm-hmm. I was, because you know, my stress level with animals, mm-hmm. my, I didn't even care about the little boy. I was like, the stress <laughs> levels for the animal. But then the dog, yeah. like, all well, that's, of us. Well, see, and that's a screenwriting tip. You can, you you can, can do whatever you can kill you want. 100,000 people in your movie. You don't kill one animal. Okay. <laughs> And a cute little kid. But no, yeah. it was like we were going, and I said, well, I'm going to go up and go hang out with the co-writer and my writing crew. And they were like, so you're not going to go see it with us? We've been planning to see this. Uh-huh. And I said, y'all, let me, let me break it down to y'all. Do you think I want to come to our little theater that we go to, which is a nice theater, the AMC down in Chula Vista, or hang out at the Arclight where I can drink liquor <laughs> with grown folk, yeah. with other writers, and have fun? They were like, all right, girl, go ahead and do your I thing. I should have done it. I and really then it was like, we're not now. going. So then I, had to, then I had to like eat crow, turn around and come back and be like, all right, I'm going with y'all. They was like, all right, bitch, let's go. But we had a good time because literally the crowd, it was a nice crowd. Mm-hmm. I think I went to, uh, I think it must have been like a, I want to say like a late afternoon, like two, one o'clock, you know, the oh, nice afternoon okay. on, on a Saturday. Right. And mm-hmm. nice crowd, you know, I even went and got myself a cheesesteak, a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> she always nice. got some food involved. That nice. No, usually it's tacos. <laughs> but it was like, oh, I need to go get Philly cheesesteak. I hadn't had a Philly cheesesteak. So we had Philly cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. We had bought our little wine bottles and stuff, <laughs> the good stuff. It was an event. <laughs> it was an event. No, like when you go to like we go, we go to have a good time. <laughs> right. And I was mad because the new AMC they got the nerve to have the caramel popcorn and the cheese popcorn. Mm. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll just not get the butter popcorn. I'll branch out. And I said, yeah, can I get the Chicago mix? I like to have the. He says, we only serve it when we don't mix them. And I was like, bitch, <laughs> who is your manager? Ooh. Let me speak to your manager. Right. You know, I said, but the advertisement. I said, you know what, young lady, this is false advertising. I'm looking at the popcorn right now. You've got the caramel 
and the cheese popcorn <laughs> right next mixed to together. <laughs> and it doesn't say anything about being separate. So right. either, and I said, what's the point? Are they the same price? Because if I tell you I want half and half, I mean, y'all layer my butter. Right. Anyway, the politics of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we went with the friends, and it was a nice crowd. We ooh and ah. I can tell y'all what trailers nobody liked. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't show Black Panther, right? No, because that's why I love going to theaters like when the trailers are coming out, because mm-hmm. you get the real gut reaction. From, and you know I'm, I'm strategic right. where I sit. sit down, <laughs> I can see everybody, and I get the energy and stuff. And it, oh, God, what is the name of them? I can't remember the name of the movie. Hmm. Uh, it's coming out. It'll come to me. But it was like, you could hear nothing. Cricket. Huh? You wouldn't hear shit. You didn't hear nothing. You know, and we were all sitting there waiting for like the Black Panther to come up, and it was like, it didn't come up. But the movie started, like everybody was into it. Like, I could feel the tension in the room. People, people cheered at certain parts, you know, and, and I, you know, it was just fun. And so when the movie was over, I was going to text you guys like, why did we not go to go see right. this? What so was, you enjoyed it? What was some, yes. Now, yeah. I will tell you this. Right. On a scale of one to ten, I gave it a five. Okay. Five only because I wanted, I wanted more. Five is generous. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted more. And there's reasons. I wanted more destruction. Mm-hmm. More. I needed more Daniel Wu. <laughs> we all need more Daniel Wu. Because I was like, Daniel Wu's in it. Oh, right. blah, blah, blah. And, no shirt off. And huh? Y'all didn't do fan service. I know. <laughs> I wrote more Daniel Wu. It just didn't end up on the right, screen. Right. Like. Why wasn't why was he not shirtless? <laughs> well, I didn't. Think why was Robert Sheehan? And you know Robert Sheehan. The funny thing about I love him because from Misfits, I love him. But he's one of those that's going to have that boyish face. Like one day he's going to look like a man to me. Every time I see him, he's like this boyish, cute little thing. He's such a cute little rogue too. He's so adorable. He's like curly hair, and you've got Zazzy Beats, and then she's gorgeous. You had a lot of great icons. You have um, what's the actress's name from Pariah? Oh, uh, Dupe Dupe is her last name. What's her first name? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. She was one of the characters. You had a nice, diverse group of folks in the movie. I was happy about that. And I was happy that Zazie Beetz was like the, the hacker girl geek. I really appreciate and she that. Was, and one of the things that made me really happy, one of the things watching it, is that most of her stuff was mine. So that made me really It was happy awesome. She was great. And she's so good. And she like her hair, everything. Oh, it was like yeah. black girl magic. I was like, oh, and she's cool. <laughs> and I'm glad that you didn't have the whole like... Love triangle thing going on. It was mm-hmm. like she was like the cool friend, hacker mm-hmm. friend. Like it had all the things that you needed for a good disaster movie. Now, when I was watching it, and we talked about this early, there was parts where I was hoping like whoever the bad guy was. So those of you who are going to go see it, you know, I was hoping like the because I think her character's name was Adisa, mm-hmm. Adisa, Adisa, Adisa. And I was hoping like because you're trying to figure out because it is it's a disaster movie, it's a political thriller, mm-hmm. you know, it's space. Things are happening in outer space. Things are happening on Earth. So you have all these things going on, and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh please, don't give it away." Let, I'm not giving it away. It's like let let certain people I it's want to be. It's gonna be a couple be, weeks for coming out. To- yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Please let it be certain things that I wanted, and I was hoping. I was hoping, but like you said, it was like they had a certain. The cut of it is really for people who like the big disaster movies. And I felt yeah. like there were certain things that I well, wanted to see. Well, the poster tells you yeah. disaster yeah. movies. And what happened, I was talking to Lisa right. uh, before we got on air, and, it's, and, and this is just part of Hollywood and part of making movies. You know, what she was looking for, that's actually how was it was in, written. It was right. in that was script. how it yeah. was written. Right. And, then, and this, I don't, you know, this I can't really blame on Dean or anybody else. I think this is purely the studio. Right, that cut. thing where they went to the lowest common denominator. Just keep it simple. And they cut out any sort of 
subtext or twist or complicated plot because mm-hmm. they think, well, somebody might not understand right. it. They simplify and, it. Yeah, right. and that's what they did here, mm-hmm. which, and I think it was a detriment to the story. Right. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that those, that those kind of rich things, those extra things that you want from stories, you know? I mean, a lot of people did not like, like, like a lot of the critics, they didn't like 2012. Right. They didn't like, but there's certain things that in disaster movies that when people, fans of those movies, go in to see it, a lot of times we don't want a lot of complex stuff. We just want to like have a good time, roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. But those of us who've been watching it like for years, sometimes we just want that little extra thing. Yeah, just one more just twist. One little thing right. extra for those of us who are like, yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I really appreciate like a fact. I love the fact that, like I said, it had a diverse cast of characters. You had two black women. Who had speaking roles? <laughs> who are not best friends? Who don't get right. killed in twenty who minutes? Who don't you know? Who actually last through the movie? Right. And they're wearing their natural hair, and they look no like these are like this is like the black woman's version, like right. where we get an intersectional into it. It's like you things that you notice. In that one, you know, it's like oh my god, we actually got two black women. Right. And they're not best friends or cousins. <laughs> they're like totally, and they're from totally different places. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing two, di- and one's like a scientist of, you know, astronaut you in space. Test, right? One's like a computer hack. It's like, it's like, yay. Mm-hmm. And you've got like the woman who's like the, the, the secret service agent. So she's not like the girlfriend romantic mm-hmm. thing. Like she's the girlfriend, yeah. but she's like doing shit, mm-hmm. you know? She's the smart one in that relationship. Yes. <laughs> right. I kept thinking the whole time, think, why is she with this dude? Yeah. Like, yeah. Shouldn't you be with? And I have to tell you this. Thank you. I don't know if it's you or Dean who wrote it or any changes. Thank you for not having the little girl, because it's a family drama too, mm-hmm. not having a bratty kid. Right. One of the most annoying tropes are smart ass kids who are like, let's have the cute kid who says smart. Like, this kid said stuff that I felt like a real kid would say. Yeah, she sounded like a 13 year old. She did. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you let her be responsible, like she wasn't babied, she was like really, she felt like how I would react in that situation. And a lot of times I can't stand Although a lot I love, of kids and stuff. I love, I don't she know if was it's great. The right movie. Is it Bruce Willis, the movie The Last Boy Scout and then the little girl? I didn't watch that movie. I know that movie. I love that little girl in that one. She's a little smart ass, but she's badass. Yeah, but sometimes that smart, it it gets into the the realm of the smarmy. Right. And then it dips into, oh my God, I fucking want this kid to die. (laughs) And I have no problem. I don't. Here's a little, from a filmmaking standpoint, the way that daughter, that girl was originally written, because there was her mother, Gerard Butler's ex-wife, was also a character in the story at one point. And she was very much written smarmy and just yeah. way too sugary sweet. And, I, and, it, and it didn't work. And that's how it got shot. And part of the reshoots they did last year is they brought in a new actor for that girl. And a screenwriter, to remain nameless, rewrote those scenes mm-hmm. and made that what that is. And it's so much better now with that girl yeah. the way she is. She yeah. sounds real and authentic and her relationship with Gerard Butler's great. And and she has a great face. Like she yeah, doesn't have she that does. typical, like she has a face like... And I hadn't seen her might, before. I know, I didn't know who she was. And I'm like, this girl, if she keeps that face and she grows into that, mm-hmm. like she has a great face. And so I was like, yeah, a kid I can root for. Because most of the time I'm not rooting for kids. They, right. I want them to die. Like either they're just <laughs> screaming and they're being, oh, cutesy and oh, daddy, bonnie. It's like, I don't... Can we, y'all can adult? Can y'all just be divorced and co-parent and not make it like the drama about the co-parenting stuff? You know, and I just loved how, you know, that kid was just, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And the dad was like, straight up, hey, I drink. We're fighting with your uncle. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're not hiding it. Like, we can't talk. Like, this is real shit, you know. Right. But I enjoyed it. And I think good. it's one of those movies where, I don't know, well, your first reaction might have been from the writer's standpoint. Well, it was, it was just, it. I was way too close to it. And I was also, I had a an unfair bar I had set walking in there. Mm-hmm. And I think now if I go see it again, which I probably will, 
I can enjoy. And it was also, I was so nervous in the theater, the, the night, the showing that I saw, there was maybe only like 30 people in the theater. So I was like, oh no, it's a complete flop. It's horrible. And it just, you know, it just fueled all my self-loathing and <laughs> hatred. And, you and know. that's why you should have just gone <clears throat> with us. I know. I should have. Because it could have just been us in the theater. I should have. <laughs> we would have made it feel like it was like a hundred people up have. in there. Yep. And I will never make that mistake again. The next no. really awful movie that I write, we are going <laughs> So go see Geostorm, people. If you love disaster movies, movies like I do just the fun of watching crazy disastrous stuff and plus I might have been amped for it too because the the week before uh Linnell and I after we had did the podcast mm-hmm. uh we met up and went to the Universal Studios Horror Nights oh that's right so one of the ones the rise you go on is like I guess it's like Chucky and Freddy Krueger and stuff so mm-hmm. they let you they take you on the tram they go down and you get to see the one ride where the the, the airplane is like blown up and oh, all right. body parts are everywhere mm-hmm. so you got to walk through that so I was already amped for a disaster movie anyway. So anytime, so mind you, mind you, this is me. <laughs> now so funny. We had just seen like the, um, uh, what's his name? The Hitchcock house for mm-hmm. uh, Psycho House. So they had the dude look just like, what's his name? Mm-hmm. And this is how, me and Linnell, we don't play. It's like, we just care for, like, we're not here for the bullshit. Like, please try to scare us. Right. Come get us. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there. So everybody's trying to take pictures with the guy who's supposed to be Anthony Perkins. And me and Linnell are like, no, nah, we just want to shot the house and the dude. We don't want to be in the picture. <laughs> and so we're in line. They're like, oh, do you want to, like, no, nah, we just want to go through here. And so meanwhile, these guys are jumping out. They're supposed to be Freddy Krueger. They're supposed to be Michael Myers. Right. And this is my ass talking to Linnell, like, damn, girl, can you Imagine if you had this job with the bodies laid out like this. I mean, this is why I was sitting in the back of the. Mind you, we got the big disaster plan that's in big chunks, like real life stat. Mind you, and the Chucky guys are coming up. They're trying to figure out they're going to survive in there. They got like chainsaws. Like they're coming up in front of me and Linnell with chainsaws, trying to get. And me and her are like, well, if you would set the scene here, what would you. (laughs) So basically, you and Linnell had notes. Shots. It was just it was just too much fun, and but they got us a couple of times. I will admit they got us a couple of times, but I was already primed for a, a big disaster movie. And like I said, my biggest critique: <clears throat> more disastrous places. Okay. Yeah. All right, what do we well, do? Thank you, sir? thank you. That's what's up, though. We're still proud of you, regardless. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So everybody, if you can, you know what? I think I think you're right. If if you if you don't expect too much, you if you go in knowing what you're going in for, you can probably enjoy it. So go see it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you need people to go see it to get them damn residuals anyway. I, <laughs> I got kids' tuition I need to pay for. Okay. Green, green envelopes, I got, green envelopes. I got alimony. Yes. And like, yeah. yeah. They're not 18 yet. Right. So even if you don't want to see it, just go buy go a ticket. Go buy a couple of tickets. And then go get some ice cream. We need the Skrilla. Come on. We need this. We need these coins. Please toss us your coins. All right. What so, are we doing next, sir? So we thought. Since we had you on, Paul, we're going to mm-hmm. do something. We haven't done it in about a year. I'm so excited yes. about this. Um, we have this little segment we do called the Don't Sleep On Them segment. <clears throat> and everybody knows in the hood that Don't Sleep On Them is like, don't miss that shit that's, that's popping, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's hot, that's lit. And so um, it's a little segment we read like two or three pages of somebody's actions. This is why you don't hear a bunch of dialogue here, right? So this is a nice action scene. It could be the intro to your script. It could be a moment later. And so... Um, Our friend Paul Rose Jr. submitted a script called A Strange Case. It is a uh, murder mystery thriller. And uh, we don't have a logline for it, but maybe you guys learn what the fuck it's about. (laughs) And we'll talk about it, what we think. Wait, you said it's a what now? It's a A murder mystery thriller. Murder mystery thriller. I just want want to hear Lisa read. Just right here. Just just read that right there. What is that? So let's get it in. I love this. Yeah. What y'all looking for? I want to hear. Wait, 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 wait
uh, say the thing. It's just it's just my regular nerdy speaking voice. No, That's it's special. not. It's no, your it's narrator not. voice. You're actually really All right. Good. A Strange Case, an original screenplay by Paul Rose Jr. See? Everybody gathers join around, don't they? Campfire time. Join us now on NPR exactly. Radio. Right. Come and closer, read, children. All I'll right. Read, I'll read Thomas's last little line. All right. So, so this is <clears throat> our thing. You guys ready? Get ready. All right. Here we go. Fade in. Exterior. Uh, Panorama City Mall parking lot night. A pop-up street carnival dominates the parking lot of the now-abandoned Montgomery Ward. Dozens of Hispanic families and children race between a short roller coaster and food trucks, then onto other rides. Nine-year-old Katerina Ramirez pushes out from behind her brother and her poppy to stir up at the 150-foot-tall Ferris wheel. She turns back to see a short, dark, hulking figure looming. Her family behind him aways, walking towards the gravity spinner. She steps sideways to pass the figure, but he echoes her movement. She tries the other direction. He follows, then advances on her. She backs up, looking for a way out, then runs towards the back of the abandoned building. At the last second, she tries juking left, but the figure is there, over her. She spins away, stumbles, then sees she's at a dead end. She looks back just in time to see the club before it smacks across her face. She tumbles to the ground. The figure pushes her deeper into the depths of darkness. The sound of wood clattering onto the pavement is followed by clothes tearing. Then feral grunts. Katarina shrieks, her cry mixing with the screams of the riders on the roller coaster. On the coaster. In the background, her parents talk to a police officer. Away from the lights, the shadows blend. The figure seems to mount her. Katarina whimpers briefly before passing out. Exterior, Metro Station Hill and First Street's morning. Several dozen people, every color in the rainbow. This is Los Angeles. Thank you very much. Uh, stream up the steps and out of the underground station. About half jog over the line of waiting buses. A few head of the stairs towards the park. A few head up the stairs towards the park. A homeless man limps by, pulling three carts tied together, full of bottles, cans, and random finds. Food vendors hawk their wares, bottles of water, cans of soda, tamales, bacon-wrapped hot dogs, agua de fresquas. Ooh. Delicious. A panhandler with a cardboard sign begs passerby for change. Seven dogs drag two teen girls as they navigate the walkway. Another homeless man sleeps curled on the edge of the grass. Three guys perch on a mountain bikes waiting, waiting for the crosswalk. A woman juggles odd-shaped fruit, her hat there for donations. Two hipsters make out on the side of the park. When they break for air, we see they're both guys. Cane tapping on the pavement, a blind man walks past them. A ratty-looking man strums a guitar and sings off-key pop songs. At the Metro, a man in a rumpled gray suit climbs the last few steps. He's mid-40s, average build, height, in fact, almost perfectly average, with short hair and tired eyes. John Utterson blinks in the glare of the sun reflecting off the Civic Center, slides sunglasses onto his face, and then reaches into his jacket pocket. He pulls out a chrome cigarette case and runs his thumb over its navy emblem before pressing the catch. It snaps open, but instead of cigarettes, it holds a sleeve of nicotine gum. He pushes a piece out of the blister pack and pops it into his mouth. He slides the case back into his jacket and then digs into his pants pocket. He tosses a few coins to the panhandler. Unconsciously rubbing a raw spot on his right ring finger, he steps up next to the mountain bikes. The walk symbol flashes. He looks both ways, then stutter steps through his arm in front of the bicyclist as a, as a car careens around through the red light. He gets dirty looks and a ghetto salute from the guys on the bikes as they push past him into the street. He checks both ways again, then heads west down First Street. Interior, Los Angeles coroner's office, morgue, day. Double steel doors swing inward, and two body snatchers, looking every bit the classic Mutt and Jeff, carry a small black body bag between them. They quickly open to, uh, they quickly move to an open drawer, gently lay the body bag on it, then slide it silently shut. The tall one tucks a file folder under the edge of the drawer. The shorter one signs a logbook on the, cl- on the counter, marking the drawer number and case file. 
They turn and head back to their waiting van, slam the back door shut, climbing in front as the morgue doors close. Interior, Los Angeles Police Department, LAPD, Lobby Day. The automatic glass doors open as Utterson walks in. He waves his hit card over the turnstile posts and pushes through. He holds the card up to the desk sergeant who waves him towards the back of the elevators. Interior, LAPD, robbery homicide department, day. Utterson stops and looks over the room. Three sides ringed by short file cabinets framing several cubbies linked in pairs. All of them empty save for computer files. He spots his nameplate and starts weaving his way across the room. Halfway there, he stops at the coffee pot under a wooden sign that reads, Robbery Homicide Division. He snatches a clean mug that reads, Year the Pig, and fills it up. He, t- his, he tastes, makes a nasty face, then gulps down a little more and refills the cup. He continues all the way over to the far corner desk. He plops down the seat and looks for something to do. After a moment, he taps on the keyboard. A login screen comes up. He types a name, a password, nothing. He thinks for a moment, tries again, still nothing. He pulls a scrap of paper out of his wallet, reads it, tries one more time, still nothing. He looks around at the desk, just a, stat, just a state statute book sitting on the desk, A-H, one of, one of three, A through H, one of three. He sighs, then leans back, propping his heels on the desk, almost dozing off. Whap. A file folder lands on the desk, ne- the desk next to him. He starts and looks up to see Captain Lee Thomas standing above him. Early riser, huh? We'll beat that out of you. First case. Roll calls in 10. Welcome to RHD. Utterson flips open the file. It's a nine-year-old. It's nine-year-old Katerina Ramirez, deceased. Okay. First up, way too much shit going on in here. <laughs> too many directional stuff. We got to cut that shit out. Paul, I'm going to talk to you as if I am. I'm talking about Paul Rose Jr. Paul, I'm going to talk to you as a reader, as someone who has read scripts. Um, Great descriptions. Mm-hmm. Way too much going on. Like, you're, it's giving me, he's giving me, like, how do I want to say it? There's just too much directional stuff. Yes. If I'm reading this, that first page has got to pop. I don't need all the, I can kind of infer from a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't need every single detail beat moment, okay? Um, the opening part was fine. It's just when you start getting to that second page and start getting into all the, Introducing your main character who's going to solve this case, apparently. Getting in, like, you can give me, give me sketches of Spain. <laughs> give me poetry. Right. I, can, I can infer the rest. I don't need all this choreography. There's too much choreography going on. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, I started stumbling over the words as a reader, as a narrator. Yeah, you don't usually do that. And I don't usually do that when there's too much shit. Because yeah. what's, what's happening is my eyes are getting tired. And my voice is like, when are we going to get to some stuff that's really important? Okay? So when you're writing a lot of descriptive things... Shit has got to be, it has to matter. It has to direct the action on the page. I'm getting a lot of choreography, and what's happening is it's kind of pulling me out of the story. I don't know how you guys felt, mm-hmm. but that's my first initial reactions. Um, hmm. Yeah, I felt, I felt the exact same way. I kept going, okay, when, when, when are we going to get to, mm-hmm. like, what's this about? Like, what's, um, I get, it, it, I guess my feeling was, I felt like, is this like an episode of Law and Order or something? Like, what, it felt kind of, simple TV, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Even though the visuals, you get a sense the girls being, you know, clearly being abused or raped or mm-hmm. something there. Um, <clears throat> that kind of bothered me a little bit, which I guess is what he was kind of going for. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you 100% about the fact that, you know, I kept, I kept feeling like things are going like way too long. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is he started early in a lot of the... The the first scene I thought he started fine. Right. But 
soon as soon as we started moving on, I was like, okay, we're too early in the scene. We need to be later in the scene. Like once we got to the metro station and we started, getting, I don't need all those 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 people when doing things. Like I said, that's all choreography. Right. And after a while, you're losing me because I'm like, okay, what exactly are we doing here? Right. You he's, he's setting. A, he's he's doing the classic thing where you set up a lot of things that, at least to us right now, don't 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 tie into the story yet. Like, like you said, as soon as he got to the metro system, let the director do that shit. <laughs> right, right. There's, there's, we, we know what a metro system looks like. Right. A bunch of people everywhere, you know, we get all that. You could just set that up with a line or two, I think. Right. You know, but then he starts, like, he keeps going on, you know. Um, even he gets to the homeless people, he gets into the, the, the seven dogs, drag teen girls. Like, do we need all that? Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there was a lot of expository stuff to me. I Actually, just a lot of just a kind of, you know, a little bit of cutting some right. things. The, big, up a the biggest thing that I had was, and maybe it's just my thing, page one, you were talking about how it needs to pop. Page one, to me, your most important button should be at the bottom of page exactly. one. You know, you should have, it should be a moment that makes me want to turn. Like, that should have been, basically, he should have stretched, in my opinion, he should have stretched out. The last line on that page should have been Katarina Whimpers briefly before Correct. passing out. That That's should have been saying. the button at the bottom That's of that. He should have stretched that has scene some, out. Has some singular slug lines right. to kind of like separate and space out some things. And right. um, uh, let's see, I'll give you a good example. Like the middle part, which says Katarina shrieks. I would have made that like a separate little slug line right. just to help break some of that up as my mm-hmm. eyes are going down the page. Right. That way and kind of stretch that out a little bit because you need to have that hard button at the bottom for me to want to turn the page. Right. I agree with you. The, the, she whimpers before she passes out should have been, you know, mm-hmm. the bottom of the page. Because then you're like, she passes out and then what happens? Right. And now I want to turn the page, you know? Right. Go ahead, Paul. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all true. What, what, I, what I see here, I see it a lot in um, either less experienced writers or writers that have read a ton of how-to books. And what I think Paul's doing here, he's, he's obviously got this movie in his head, and right now what these pages are doing is he's describing what we're going to see on screen as opposed to telling us the story. Right. And it, all this, every, all three of these pages, this could be a page in three-eighths, and it would be probably even more... Right. you know intense and and resonate more and it and it's just i would i would suggest tell the story instead of describe what we're seeing you know a little and there's there's examples all throughout but like even just the the coffee thing he snatches a clean mug that reads year of the pig and fills it up he tastes makes a nasty face and gulps down you know instead of that it should be you know he fills his mug with, you know, the motor oil that masquerades as coffee in this right. apartment and forces it down or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. Tell the story. Real descriptive. Don't just describe he fills up the mug. He takes a drink. Right. He makes a nasty face. He gulps down some more. Right. That's, right. that's not storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'm not sitting around the campfire listening to that, you right. know? Right, um, I feel like he's trying to set up, particularly with that particular moment, he's trying to set up character. But I love where you're going there, Paul. You're showing how to exactly show the exact same thing, but but yeah, faster. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know it's I mean? faster, and I think it's it's more. It just brings you in as the reader more because all this stuff he's describing, like you said, this is this is production meeting yeah. stuff. Right. This is what the director's right. going to handle. Tell me the story, and and you can do it faster, which is always better because you're turning the page faster, right. and you know because there's obviously some great stuff in here. Like I. What happens to little Katarina came out of left field for me. I wasn't expecting that shit. Right. That mm-hmm. was good. Right. In broad daylight. Just, yeah. That, right? I, that I right. right. But it's just, you know, and I see what he wants to do. Like I said, I feel like he's got this movie in his head, and that's what he was writing down instead of telling me the story of these characters. Right. And uh, 
you know, it, it's less is more. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm just thinking in terms, just in terms of introducing your character, John Utterson, like there's got to be a way to, because you know I like characters, you know I love great character intros mm-hmm. that pop, that come in there. Um, I feel like, because I like the whole thing with the gum and the cigarette case, because yeah, that says that a lot cool. about that, his character. That, that was I cool. Love that. That I was almost great. feel like it should, you know, like John Utterson, I'd make, I would just, me personally, I was here. I would like keep out all that stuff that John Utterson blinks the glare of the sunlight, and then I would say, he, and end it where he tosses a few coins to the panhandler. I would say that would be the only scene, and then we would cut right into him coming into the office. Because all this extra stuff, like unconsciously rubbing the raw spot in his hand, the walk symbol flashes, I don't need all that. Yeah, this it's is like we're going to find out he's right. obviously either divorced or widowed. Right. By that. You don't have to put it all into the you, very first. You've given me a little bit of character information about who this guy is. He's mm-hmm. off smoking, probably got some issues, but it needs to be quick pop and get on to the next yeah. thing. It's like all this extra stuff is just slowing the story down. This story here, like, I'd like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Shit's about to pop off, but it's just too much core, too much stuff that doesn't need to be there. So I would say some great cutting editing, like, gets rid of some of this stuff. And, um, Make it tighter, like I said, have a really good button at the bottom of that first page. And um, I think you'd have something nice going on here. I think that, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, first of all, I'm going to give you credit on one thing. Uh, that is, it's easy to read, right? It's simple on the eyes. Yes. It's just, it all kind of goes down, keeps our eyes going right, yeah. you know, which is a good And thing. I'm in. Like, I, right. I want to know more right. about what's happening, right. you know? Um, but but I, I totally agree with you, uh, Lisa and Paul. Um, I think that I think that you have to start thinking about what's missing for me, and what what a simplify it. And you guys just said it like he put everything in the kitchen sink in there. There's no curiosity, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Right. And the curiosity is is so he he we set up the thing about the lighter. I'm like, well, who is that person? That's right. it. Let right. me discover the fact right. that he has all these right. problems and all the like. For instance, do you do the little little reveal from? Uh, Captain uh, Lee Thomas, where he says early riser, Han, we discover it's day one. Right. For him, I'm like, okay, that was a reveal. Right. That we know, oh, this is his first day on the case. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> we set up what the case was with the little girl. We meet him. He's a strange character. And then we discover this is his first day on the case. That's all we needed to know in the yeah. first two pages. Right. All the other stuff. Especially you know with I mean? the whole coffee. Oh, if right. he does that nice, better description of the coffee, right. like if he goes in and just goes straight for the coffee thing. Right. And then you have that nice reveal. Because usually if someone's going straight for the coffee, you get the impression, oh, this person's been here before. This is their regular routine. He gets that sludgy thing. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. He sits down. And then the guy comes over and says, hey. And we're like, shit, he walking in here. like, Because it says something about somebody who doesn't walk in wide-eyed, like, who do I need to talk to? Mm -hmm. As opposed to someone who's walking in. Grabbing something yeah. as if he's been there before. This guy's got miles on. Yeah, he's right. got. Yeah, you it's know. like I know this. And it's routine. like the whole there's the whole scene in the cor- in the morgue coroner's office. You don't need that at all. That gives no. us nothing in this right. opening. And it's like what you're saying. I love the gum and the and the lighter thing. Yeah, that's that's, go, that's go my favorite reveal. That. Yeah, yeah right. it is. Right. Go from that to right into the office there right. with the coffee bit, and mm-hmm. and you know enough about this guy that you want the reader to want to know more. Right. Instead of piling all the other stuff on, right. you know? I agree. And then you have the, like you said, that <laughs> final reveal of like, oh, the little girl we saw in the front. This is this case. This is that. Yeah, like uh, that's. I'm in right there. Yeah. Like I, I want to. I would continue reading this, Paul. And one of the things that we always <laughs> say when you're crafting your scripts, people, is you got to remember those first. 
I've gotten hardcore since my old days of 2009, <laughs> where I used to get people the first five pages, right. you know, you know, you got me after page five, I'm out of here. Right. You know, now it's one and done. <laughs> <laughs> page one, I got to be going in there, and by page five, you got you to keep me there. So I feel like, Paul, this is to Paul Rose Jr. First of all, thank you for allowing yeah, us to, to read it. your script. Yeah, it's that's, not, a, that's it's a very not, brave It's thing. not easy to, to hear criticism of your work, but always remember that whenever I critique something, it's out of love. And also because I've been there, I do that, I totally understand. And so you might be sitting there listening to this right now, biting your tongue, telling us, but this yeah. is what I meant. And you remember, everything has to be on the page. Okay, whatever your intent was, it always comes back to what's on the page. Right now, what's on the page, you have some good stuff here, but it needs some trimming in order to keep a reader. Because remember, that those gatekeepers are real, dude. They are real. And if you got a reader who's going to have to read this and try to kind of stumble through it, um, they're going to pass on it. And you've got some good stuff here. So I would say trim some things out. Take some of the notes that we've given you. Um, in fact, I would love it if he, if he would mind resubmit, resubmit it and I we'll read it again. That, that would be awesome. Cool. Yeah. I would dig that. I would have no problem We doing haven't that. done that yet. So we yes. can about that. So Paul. This is why we're going to be doing this more. Now we can see if people can take notes. Does Paul, does Paul live here? <laughs> another thing yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. do. Would he be open to maybe? I don't know. Actually, I talked about having him on the Have him come on. Part, so Bring yeah. the new pages right. and then we can talk to him. Personally. Then we can yeah. crush his hopes and dreams <laughs> no. to his face. Oh, we are here for you. No, sir. you know what? It's it, what Lisa's saying is true. And this is, you know, I had a grandma who, way before I ever, you know, knew I was right or anything, used to say this thing that I never understood as a kid, and it is everything I'm about now as an adult with this business. And she used to say, "I'd rather be slapped with the truth than kissed right. with a lie." Okay. And it's like right. I, I. It That's does, some old Southern stuff right? from way back, <laughs> right? Where's your grandma from? Indiana. Oh, the Midwest. Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana? Okay. Just hang around the Jackson. Okay. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Yeah, but she would say, and, I, and then I got, and it was like, and me coming up, I, I had no, but I didn't have any nepotism. I, didn't, I came out here just blind, right. and I just, it helps so much for people to tell the truth mm-hmm. instead of, it does nothing for you. As a as a writer trying to get better and trying to get in for people to go, that was awesome, man. Mm-hmm. That was awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. And and one thing this is Brian Koppelman says this, and I totally agree. Is the different how you can tell the difference between an amateur writer and a professional is an amateur only wants to know, wants to hear what's good about their script, <laughs> right. and a pro only wants to hear what doesn't right. work, right. right? Like you you know mm-hmm. like we write stuff and give it to people. Tell me what's wrong with this. Totally. Right. I don't want to hear you know we have enough confidence in ourselves. We right. don't need to hear oh it's awesome right. you know. And so so Paul, we're telling you you have something here mm-hmm. like. You got something here. Yeah, he's a writer. And yeah. these, are, these, right. and these yeah. are movies that I like to see anyway. Right. You know, I like, because the private <laughs> right? I like seeing folks get messed up. Because it helps me deal with like if stuff happens. I always say that because it only helps me deal with stuff in real life. So what happens, the movies help prepare me mm-hmm. Lisa, for that kind of stuff. Lisa. Lisa. Yes. John Utterson with the gum and the, you know, lighter. If that was Mr. Elba. Oh, why are you fantasizing the picture? And I love, I love Idris. Like Idris would not be a good boyfriend <laughs> or husband material. I'm just saying that because that's just too much pressure right. on a bitch. Just okay, a buddy, that's yeah. just too much pressure on a bitch. Just a fuck buddy, right? like you know, it's just like let's just be fuck buddies and just keep it real because it's just too much stress. Look, but call me yes. at two in the morning, bitch. Just call me at two. <laughs> Let me just preface this with one little thing because we haven't done this in a long time, Paul. You know what? I 
actually just, see Idris playing this too with the mm-hmm. gun yeah, I can see and walking right? in. Okay, oh, yeah, he's perfect. But here's here's the interesting thing. I need the audience to know out there is that we read this cold. Yes. Yeah. So none of us ever saw this. Paul sent this to me, unfortunately. Thanks, Paul. Like probably two months ago, <laughs> and that's how long it's been since mm-hmm. I got to it. Um, thanks, Paul. So you know, we all read this cold. So we, we go off of what we just. What are our right. first? You know, um, what do you call it? the first? What do you call it? Impressions. Past impressions. Past impressions. The first impressions. So, so literally, it was like we read yeah. it straight. None of us Which knew what it was Which is how a reader about. will read it. Right. right. And it will be, could be script number seven Correct. of that they've read in the last 24 hours, and they're burnt, and they're bored, right. and they are looking for any reason to go to script number eight. Right. Yes. they got to get through this file on the weekend. Yes. Right. I raised my hand because I have been there plenty of times. <laughs> well, yeah, where where I've called people for right. minute, like, do I have to read the whole thing? Can I just know by page? Can I just let y'all know by page? Thank God the old days, Sundance, when Sundance used to do their thing and have their readers, they used to let us, um, that's all you heard, the first five well, pages. Well, you know what? All, the first um, five pages. A lot of the festivals are doing it now, not a lot of the programs. And that's the easy way of screening like all right. that stuff. Like, send yeah. us your first five pages. If you think they're any good, we'll request the rest of the script. Right. The, um, mm-hmm. the, um, I think it's Fox now. The woman who used to work at Sundance is now at Fox, so mm-hmm. now they have the same thing. Too. Yeah. They're doing the first seven pages. This is odd number, seven yeah. pages. I think you know by five. Right. But seven is like a weird That's number. That's fair. Seven is fair. Seven's because, fine too. Because right. it's just like when you're marketing stuff, you don't want to say $2. You'd rather say $1.99. <laughs> so you'd rather say seven as opposed to 10, even though you're right. almost reading the same damn amount of pages. Right, 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 but right. it makes sense because it's like, why put the readers through a whole bunch of trash when you can weed out a lot of stuff? Because usually people know by the first couple of pages whether or not you're able to do something. Right. Even if you don't even like you the do. story it's, at the end, so you kind of get an idea of like, yeah. okay, this person And that's what something. I'd say about this, mm-hmm. to that point exactly. Mm-hmm. Is I think that Paul needs to rewrite this, but he's good enough that I could tell. Right. Okay, there's a writer in here. Mm-hmm. He's just working his stuff out now. He just needs a little direction. He just wrote this like long form or something. Yeah, it's weird. And, right. and it's but but you can tell like just in those little grace moments, the gum and the thing, right. and, the, and the the girl and the like. Yeah, this those guy's nice a writer. Little, those nice little touches. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so Paul, we I extend that invitation if you're open to that, like rewriting this. Have, we'll have you back whenever have we have Rewriting this and then coming back on with us as we read it again and we'll see what changes you make because that's, I think it's a great learning experience and it's great for other listeners to kind of get right. an idea of that. So thanks again, right. Paul Rose Jr. So let me just extend this to um, the listeners out there. If you guys want to submit you know, your first two or three pages or a cool little action scene. You see there wasn't a lot of dialogue in there because <clears throat> we found that when we, when we read dialogue, it gets lost when we listen to it. So that's why we try to find a scene where there's like an action cool. scene. And you know, you know what, what else is cool about that? I mean, that, that works better for this, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I also think nobody does that. Like, like no one, that, the, the action stuff is, I think, not talked about enough, right. you know, right. and it's such a part of the screenwriting process. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing to kind of right. focus more on that. I don't right. think anybody's doing that. Yeah. I haven't heard it. So that's yeah. one of the reasons, one of the reasons why we, because you, I've heard other shows and they're right. just, I'm like, well, what, who's yeah, that character? It's, it's not, and they're not actors playing them sometimes. Right. So it's, it's like when your computer reads your dialogue. Right. <laughs> right. Wait, you don't sound like Elba. <laughs> <laughs> the woman walks off the street. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So if you guys want to submit something, please do um, try to find a cool scene without a, like I said, a bunch of dialogue. Um, it could be anywhere in the script. Please send us to screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com and um, please send us a log line. So, Paul, we didn't have yours, so we just said that little part there. Okay. Okay? So, thanks, Paul. Awesome episode. That's cool. Lisa? I'm happy. That's what's up.
So where you at on uh, Twitter and stuff? On the Twitter. <laughs> Are um, you back on? Could you take off every once I, in a while? Because he's I working. Have to step away. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> emotional. I have to, it's like it, Twitter used to be so much fun, and then after January 20th of this year, well, it just know. got dark. Did something, and, did something happen? <laughs> <laughs> right? So every once in a while, I just need to step away for a while, but I'm usually there tweeting about tacos and writing, and it's nice. at, <laughs> at Fizzhog, two Zs, two Gs, F-I-Z-Z-H-O-G-G. Right. Where you at, Lisa? Uh, I'm at Twitter at what fresh hell is this? Shout out to Dorothy Parker. Uh, you find me on Bitch Flicks. Yeah. Uh, you also find me in the latest book, Luminescent Threads. Um, it's a book, a nonfiction book that's talking about Octa- Octavia E. Butler oh, and all her please. connections with artists and writers. What, what are you talking and educators. about? I don't think you told us. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before. It just yeah, came out. What are you talking about in it? Oh, well, it's divided up in different sections, but basically it's, it's dealing with the work of Octavia Butler through environmentalism, mm-hmm. social justice, academics, art, just all the connections. And all the writers are people who come from those different aspects. It's not just science fiction writers. Sure. It's academics. It's artists, artists. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends are in the book, <laughs> and I'm under a section for the Octavia E. Butler Scholars. Oh, and um, so I just have a section just talking about how my connection to her. Basically, the book is about everybody's connection to it and how her work has influenced them. And then I just talk about how I met her for several times, how she's the one who told me about Clarion, how wow. I end up getting right. into... Like, I how, didn't know you met her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, several oh, times. She used see, to come over to Esalon, and I used to drive all the way up from San Diego with mm-hmm. my little book in my hand. She has influenced <laughs> so many writers oh that they she has not talked about enough. Yes. Have you seen the thing at the Huntington? Yes, I was oh, there. I was man. there for the uh, the opening. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of pictures. Uh, uh, three of the, the scholars came down, and one of my really good, two of my good friends, um, Dr. Shelley and um, Dr. Ayana, they put that together. So I got to go That's and hang great. out with them and, and actually see her stuff. She's just such a straight-up badass. Like <laughs> She was being a badass before that word was even invented. And you what's know? really interesting, when you went to the Huntington and you saw they actually had her journals, like from when she was a little girl all the oh, way through. Oh, yeah. It gives me chills. You saw, oh my god, it. it's amazing. <laughs> but the thing about it, it's so sad and how a lot of artists, the, the, a lot of the poverty and the health issues she had to deal with, because she yeah. had no health care. Um, she didn't have any money. Like The only time she got some real money is when she got the Genius Grant. Right. And at the time, back in, ooh, it must have been like early 80s, I think at the time it was just $200,000 that you got, mm-hmm. and they paid over, and so she was able to pay off her, her mom's house and live off of that for a little while, but she dealt with a lot of health issues, that's why it slowed her productivity mm-hmm. and putting out more stuff, and it probably contributed to how she passed away so right. soon, but it's a great book, it's actually co-edited by one of our scholars that I helped to choose for, uh, hi Mimi Modal, who was one of the co-editors. She was our I want to Mimi. Were you 2015? I think she was our 2015 Octavia Butler Scholar. We brought her all the way from India, and then she came through. Amazing writer, and she helped put together this wonderful book. So if you're interested in Octavia Butler and the original black, the original Park. black, yeah, yes, right, right. Um, get the book. I'm in there. Um, I, you can learn about how my connection to her and the influence and the impact she's had. It's a great book. And shout out to Ava DuVernay oh, and the guys man. who are trying to put together um, a TV series. Yeah, and thank God it's Ava because I, I, I don't know if this could ever happen. And I just have, uh, Ava is so fierce. I just feel like when I heard that she was, you yes. know, I was like, okay, it's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. Yay. And shout out to Ryan Coogler for having that amazing new trailer. Um, for Black Panther, yes. it just looks better and better. And oh my fucking god! Have you seen Dee new trailer for, yes, Black, for Mudbound? Yeah. I might be interview- Mudbound. Mudbound. Okay. I might be interviewing her at the Writers Guild Theater. So have her come through because yeah. I've been like, she's my dream. Like I want her to work with um, 
Naomi Harris someday. Okay. Like I would love for them to do like a Miss Money Penny mm. offshoot right, of right. kind of movie or something. Because I just love her <laughs> and I love Naomi Harris. So. Where are you at, Hilliard? I am at Hilliard Guest. You guys you sure? can follow me on Twitter. Are you sure? At Hilliard Guest or Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Um, any questions? ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. <clears throat> Please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Stitcher, Google Google app, all that other bullshit you guys listen to. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know I got a potty mouth. What? Uh, <laughs> are you trash right now? Uh, big shout out to all the countries that are following us. We always appreciate it. Um, again, just to reiterate, um, if you guys want to submit for the Don't Sleep On Them segment, please do so. And uh, we'll, we'll keep doing it. We need to do it more often. Yes. Definitely. Um, let me think what else, what else is going on. What else is going on? We just got postponed. I was supposed to be in, in Sacramento shooting this week. Uh, but we got postponed because of the weather. Mm. What's going on? Maybe you talked about what's this because I'm two podcasts behind. But what's uh, what's up with your movie? With your surf movie? Oh, that's the one. We're post- oh, we that's got postponed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 the weather. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we got postponed. We're doing. We're about to shoot this big concert scene with the band. We're flying the band in. Oh, we had right. hundreds of extras. It was like, uh, anyway. So uh, we we'll be back though. Now they're talking about moving it to the spring. I'm like, how oh, we got to wait that long? But it's the weather. We want it to be perfect. So it's got to feel a beachy. You know? Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, you want it done fans. right. This yes. is yeah. So uh, that's what's up with that. Um, bunch of stuff going on. Told you I just signed with some new literary stuff, so it's good. Yeah. So they they're pushing me. Nice. I got literary and for film and TV. So we'll see. Who's that? Nice. I'll tell you later. Okay. So um, <laughs> I don't Kevin want Hoover. I don't want nobody. Yeah. Sub- yeah, yeah. I don't want nobody submitting to them. <laughs> trying to trying to trying to knock your brother out. Yeah. <laughs> Knocking you out the box. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, anyway, I got to tell you something Linnell told me. I don't know if she told you about this or not, but I'll tell you guys off. Oh, I got okay. some gossip because some stuff went down and we'll talk. <laughs> we shall talk. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. So anyway, y'all know how we do it on a rant room. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. It's not Wu-Tang forever, y'all. It's Wakanda <laughs> forever. Right. Peace, y'all. Ciao. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rain So you wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing and doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes they used to bowl a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room.